0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. And boy, I could get used to this. It seems like over the course of the last couple of days, right as our show is going on or right as our show is ending, we've had some gigantic recruiting news. No quicker did we get a chance to celebrate what happened when uh, uh, Mikhail Williams, the five-star defensive lineman, made his announcement for uh, Georgia. That happened during our show on 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 Wednesday. Then you blink your eyes right after Thursday's show is done. Now it's five-star defensive tackle Bear Alexander who rejoins this class again. And really kind of as he recommits to Georgia after at one point in time being a UGA commit, briefly decommitting, it's really an, uh, a reaffirmation um, a relationship between Georgia and Alexander that's been strong for quite some time. And I've told you before that I really felt like this was one of the most difficult recruiting battles that Smart and the Georgia staff had tried to win since Kirby's been head coach of Georgia since 2016. Going into a hotbed for talent like Texas, uh, defensive linemen are always going to be rare commodities. Big athletic defensive tackles are always especially going to be that way. Texas AM wanted him at one point in time. They had the in state pool because that's where Alexander's living. He's no longer living in Texas. He's now living in Bradenton Florida and he's a student at IMG Academy he's uh, moved during the season but at one point in time the uphill climb that George was trying to pursue to get Bear, Bear Alexander was such a significant one and yet throughout this entire process you've been led to believe whether Alexander has been officially committed to George or not you've been led to believe that Bear has really had a strong relationship with the Bulldogs this is a testament to UJ's ability to win these kind of battles and in fact as a way of setting all of this up let's go back to i think it's june uh alexander gets a chance to take one of those summer visits to georgia this is fresh off the the lid being lifted and folks being able to take visits again after the moratorium on that because of the pandemic throughout the entirety of 2021 and the 2021 recruiting cycle for summer of 2022 the door was open and man george was hosting big visitors one run after the other alexander being one of those and Alexander, who was a part of his first Georgia commitment at the time, had nothing but good things to say about the dogs. And maybe for a moment this wasn't true, but it all seems so true again now that Alexander's back in this class. So as a way of reminding ourselves how Big Bear has felt about UGA, let's go back and hear him from June with Jeff Centel. Take a listen to this.
1: What sticks with you about that trip? That I know that i have be there in five months. I mean... It was a great trip being around family and knowing that this place is a place that's going to be home very soon. It got me knowing that this is going to be the place I'm going to go to. And it kind of just like it put everything over the edge. Like I already knew it was a good place and they just kind of made it
2: feel even more homey, gave me more home vibes.
0: I've told you before, one of the things that I always gravitate towards are words that get repeated in short clips. The word that Alexander uses a lot there, and you probably noticed this yourself, it's home, 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 home vibe, that 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 idea that I don't care where I'm from at the times, Texas may have been my home state, and I guess he's still technically a Texas native, that may have been my home state, but now I feel at home at Georgia. And y'all, that's not the kind of thing that a cool social media edit can do for you. And that's not the kind of thing that a clever hashtag can do for you. That's also not the kind of thing, as much as we're pushing the idea of hashtag JD to NYC and the success of other Georgia defensive linemen, just simply following in their footsteps doesn't make a place feel like home. The only way you can do that is it's not a test you can cram for. You have to work really hard as a staff to lay the groundwork, to lay the foundation brick by brick by brick, to make folks feel comfortable when they come in. As coaches, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. You've got to be easily able to convey that. You've got to make people feel relaxed. I mean, you've visited other people's homes before. Sometimes you go to somebody's house and you feel like you could take your shoes off and prop your feet up and stay there forever. There are other places that you go where it just doesn't quite feel relaxing. There's plastic on the furniture, or there's you got to take your shoes off when you walk in, or or, or you know, whatever else. There's just this thing where you, boy, you don't quite feel relaxed here. There are too many rules. You know, too much something, not not quite able to let my hair down and relax. And Georgia just seemingly does a really good job of making a guy like Alexander feel like he's at home at Georgia, even though at the time the school that was really trying to pitch him staying at home was Texas A&M. And that was not an insurmountable edge for the Aggies when it came to that recruitment. In fact, more of Alexander talking to Jeff Centel about just how deeply entrenched the idea that he could be at home at Georgia really was. Here's Big Bear again.
1: Do you already feel like a Bulldog? I do. And then me and Coach Landon, like, we met before I left. he was just like, he was like you've been loyal than most think. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like a dog already. But, like, I was just telling Coach Smart, had hey, a red, black, and white run through my veins. Do you already feel like a Bulldog? I do. Uh, so yeah, we. Uh, yeah, and we, uh, me yeah. and Cous um, Landon, like we met.
0: So yeah, uh, good stuff there from Jeff Centel with uh, Big Bear Alexander. And look, obviously a lot of folks remember the timeline on this. That when Alexander said that, in a couple of days he was decommitting from George, that almost became a little bit of a gotcha quote against Alexander. Of one minute you're saying you already feel like a bulldog, the next minute you're decommitting from the program. But folks, you got to understand something. Georgia as a program and I just described this a moment ago it has a lot to offer but I'm not going to tell you that Texas A&M doesn't I'm not going to tell you that there aren't other programs that also have really good things to offer and I mean there are a lot of guys working at Texas A&M that around here we have respect for and we think they're building something pretty strong from a recruiting standpoint and I can tell got to tell you while I didn't have major SEC programs fighting over my recruitment if they did my guess is when you hear some great thing from Georgia or some great thing from Texas A&M, when you, when you, when you hear this tug of war, how much these programs want you, I got to tell you, it's probably pretty easy to be swayed about that by that from week to week, or even day to day. It can be, I'm guessing, probably a pretty hard decision to be able to make. So I always thought people were a little unfair to Alexander when he said he already felt like a bulldog. Then he's decommitting when this is the most important decision up to this point he's ever made in his life. And there won't be very many decisions after this that have the potential of impacting his future as much as this one is right now. And to get caught up in all of that, Alexander I've, I've shouldn't be criticized for that, nor should any other recruit there as well. And I would say that whether he chooses Georgia or not, or even the recruits that don't choose Georgia, I think people made too much of the idea at the time that, oh, he says he already feels like a bulldog, but now he's decommitting and it seems like he's going to Texas a and These kids can't make up their mind. Yeah, they can't make up their mind because it's hard to make up their mind. But eventually, what was true in your early recruitment, for the most part, usually you kind of gravitate back to that before it's all said and done. And apparently Alexander has seen clearly that the feelings he once had for Georgia are his true feelings and nothing else in his recruiting process seems to rival that. In fact, we'll show you the cool edit that Dog Nation put out on both Twitter and Instagram yesterday. And it's good to see that committed name right there next to Alexander's name once again. This has been as big a fan favorite, I think, as Georgia has pursued thus far during this recruiting process. And I think it's definitely one worth celebrating when it comes to, to UGA and all of that. So uh, I just think that's, that that's great news. And the other thing this leads you to is the success that Trey Scott's currently enjoying as defensive line coach at Georgia right now. Whether it be the guys on the field, Jordan Davis, we've obviously made our case for him as a Heisman Trophy winner over and over. Uh, Devontae Wyatt I would say he's playing at almost an All-American level I've jokingly said before that when you look at Jalen Carter if you give me three percent of his future earnings I'd burn every dollar I own right now that's how much I think Carter is going to be worth one day uh, Trayvon Walker almost gets lost in the mix here but it's not because of a lack of results or a lack of productivity it's simply because there's only so much attention to go around but ask these Georgia coaches what they think of Trayvon Walker right now and I think you'll get plenty of praise all of these are defensive linemen that you know, Scott has one within the recruiting trail and now developing on the football field, too. And, you know, when Kirby hired Trey Scott, this was a guy who had, what, just taken the old Miss job after having been at North Carolina. We've said this a lot over the years, that much the same way there's never going to be enough elite player talent to go around. In a place like the SEC, when every program gets a chance to hire 10 assistants, and there's only so many assistants in the country that... Can do what they need to do on the field while also doing what they need to do in the recruiting trail, burning the candle at both ends. I mean, I, I see a lot of these coaches on Friday night. You don't you have no idea what their schedules like on the weekend, where they are getting to a game on Friday, and then have to get on, you know, a small plane or something like that, and get back to the game day site for the dogs the next day. I mean, the the travel demands, the the need for a limitless reservoir of energy. I, I think we take for granted sometimes what this what this all requires. And there's only a limited number of people in the world who can truly do it the way that SEC assistant coaches are asked to do. And there's never going to be enough to go around much the same way there are never going to be enough elite players to go around. So oftentimes what you see is the top SEC programs are always fighting over the same handful of assistants, right? This guy's trying to go to this job, but the other school might want to steal him. And kind of back and forth you go, the same school's fighting over the same small pool of assistants. So What the very best to do, and Nick Saban's done this for a long time, and Kirby Smart's doing this now, much the same way you have to have a scout's eye for talent with players. Here's a guy that's only a three-star, but we think he can be better than that. You have to do the same thing when it comes to coaches, too. You have to be able to look at a guy like Trey Scott and say, okay, this guy's only been at North Carolina, which at the time was recruiting at a lower caliber than it probably is now. This is a guy who hasn't really won with a lot of elite recruits, hasn't had the opportunity to because of where he's been coaching. He's just now taken the old Miss job. So we don't really know, you know what he would be if he had a chance to stick around there. But we're going to have that ability to identify a diamond in the rug. We're going to have the ability to identify a young assistant who's about to thrive. Smart did that, I believe, with Dan Lanning. Smart did that with Glenn Schumann. Remember, when, when Smart pegged Schumann off the Alabama staff, Schumann was very young. He was not a coach. But Smart believed that he could be, and he's turned out to be exactly right about that. Same thing with Trey Scott there as well. This was a guy who you weren't stealing. It's not like you're going out and hiring Larry Johnson from Ohio State or Craig Kuligowski or one of these guys that had been well-established as a top defensive line coach. You were going out and identifying a guy that you thought was going to grow into that role, which is what you have to be able to do if you want to keep your staff stock with 10 quality assistants because there's never going to be enough. To go around, they're constantly being poached back and forth from other SEC programs. So, Smart identified Trey Scott. And when you think about the success quotient that Smart's used at UGA, I, I think that's got to be a big part of what his formula has been identifying these young assistants who are ready to be up and comers and ready to thrive in a bigger role at a place like UGA, where obviously you've got limitless resources. In fact, if you want to go back to earlier this week, almost foreshadowing what happened with Mikkel Williams, what happened with Bear Alexander on the recruiting trail, what's currently happening with this team on the field. Smart had some well-deserved words of praise for Trey Scott, and I think much the same way Dog fans are happy about getting Bear Alexander, man, I think you do have to really shine that spotlight on what Scott is providing for the Dogs as the defensive line coach right now. This is Kirby on Trey.
2: He's young. He's energetic. He's one of the best teachers and developers I've ever been around. pours into his uh, young men. They, they, His unit takes a lot of pride in their performance as a unit. And you see it kind of reflect in the way he leads. Uh, he's got a great family, great wife. I mean, he's uh, a class act. He represents the University of Georgia the right way. And um, he grew up under one of the legendary uh, defense line gurus and teachers named Pete Jenkins. And Pete is kind of world renowned for developing coaches and uh, Trey came up under Pete and uh, you know, when you get one of Pete's guys, you're going to get a good one. And uh, we've been able to do that. We've been very blessed to, to have Trey and his family here. And um, he does a, a wonderful job recruiting, pushing young men, challenging young men and developing young men. So that when they leave here,
0: uh, they're much better off. Boy, I'm glad to see Trey Scott getting the attention that he deserves. Good words there from Kirby Smart. I also mentioned Glenn Schumann a moment ago. I don't have this, Tweet to show you on the screen but I'll read it to you nonetheless. Schumann sang of Scott yesterday in case y'all didn't know Travian Scott has an unbelievable dedication and work ethic to everything he does from working out he runs every single day to coaching football to being a husband and father he's a he's a leader and a great friend Glenn Schumann says about his colleague there on that Georgia defensive coaching staff and Trey Scott you better believe is getting the attention that he certainly deserves right now. This is a dog nation daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. I'm Brandon Adams. We're presented today by Kroger and glad to have you with us, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, however you're getting to us on video today, podcast form, all the various podcast platforms there as well. And I know the podcast is probably the most different for these shows in which we're broadcasting remotely. The good news is this should be the last day we're doing that. We're going to debut a brand new studio on Monday. And for our podcast audience, that's tolerated things being a little bit different here this week, everything should be getting back to normal there for that which I'm really excited about of course big thanks to our friends from Kroger for making all this possible uh and by the way get ready for some delicious savings and big time uh, opportunities to stock up for tailgating there at Kroger now this can be true whether you're obviously no Georgia game this weekend but maybe you're doing high school football tonight or getting ready for some other college games on Saturday a chance to watch some of the teams you don't normally get to see or pro football or Sunday whatever else you can save on hot dogs Uh, Home Chef, Hardwood Smoke Baby Back Ribs, and everything else for your tailgating needs right now. And you can also save instantly when you use the Kroger Plus card there too, and earn fuel points there as well. So stop by uh, your local Kroger and find out more about that there today. All right, I'm going to do something a little bit dangerous here for a moment because when I tried this the other day, I ended up forgetting to circle back and we ended up missing a chance to, to do a segment that we'd planned on doing. So I'm going to skip around the doghouse here for a moment But we'll do that when I'm done with Jeff Centel. And today, I cannot forget this because it's really, really important because it's related to what Kirby Smart told ESPN's Chris Lowe about the quarterback situation going forward. And what I think is maybe a clearer picture in reality than that article at ESPN.com led some folks to believe in relationship to all of that. So we will do that coming up. I cannot forget that today. But I I, I do want to now, since Jeff Centel is joining us, being literally on the road here this weekend, Let's go ahead and welcome in Jeff Sintel, the program on the road, assisted by AAA here today, as Jeff is literally on the road here for a moment. Jeff, are we keeping where you are a secret, or are we allowed to say uh, where you are and what you're doing?
1: No, man, it's not a secret. Uh, This is a trip that – good morning, everybody, by the way. I'm joining you from currently – man, this sounds like a blues song or a country western song. It sounds like something Luke Bryan was saying, but it's a recruiting reporter on the dirt road in Mississippi. Is that – does that work as a song title for you, Brandon?
0: I definitely. I think a lot of good songs have probably started off that way. So you are in Mississippi right now, and a lot of other big-name recruits are there as well. So before we kind of dive into the big news from yesterday, why don't you set the, scenes, the, the scene for us and the stage here over the course of the next 24 hours, and really the next 48 hours, probably on dognation.com, about some of the information that you're hoping to glean here.
1: Yeah, so, uh, man, lucky that I picked the right time to be in Mississippi yesterday when – uh, Big Bear Alexander made his announcement. Uh, we call that fortuitous. Uh, it just so happens that today, IMG Academy and major Georgia targets like Kamari Wilson, uh, now a commitment in Big Bear Alexander, a commitment in Aluba, the former Florida State commitment. You've got major targets in the 2023 cycle like Jonel Aguero, uh, Justin Benton, the Georgia legacy, uh, Samuel Imba. Uh, as well, just a lot of, a lot of good things going on for me to make sure I could catch. It's really weird, Brandon. It's one of those games that was initially supposed to be held on the campus of Jackson State University. Um, man, that's odd. I'm driving along the road. I'm off the dirt road. I'm back on the main road and I see a, a thing called that they're touting as a video teller, a video teller, which basically looks like an ATM machine. Wow. Just an ATM machine, but they're calling it a video teller. But um, uh, so so what's happening here is that they can't play it at Jacksonville State University. Uh, Jacksonville State University has a game tomorrow. They they don't have a turf field. So I know Deion Sanders would not want to see his his, his, his field scuffed up by a high school game on Friday and then his game on Saturday. What's happening here is they're playing East St. Louis, the East St. Louis Flyers, yes, it is the East St. Louis Flyers of the East St. Louis Flyers of uh, Luther Burden, Luther Burden the third. Yeah, sorry. Uh, again, this is really it's really interesting driving along the road right here, man. Um, but uh, Luther Burden the third, obviously, there'll be some interesting conversation there before the game, I'm sure, between uh, you know the two Georgia commitments at least and then Big Bear Alexander, and then Luther Burden. and But the other thing that's ironic here is that uh, there's still a really great prospect for Georgia at East St. Louis for the Flyers. That is uh, Miles McVay, a huge 2023 offensive tackle, who was in the house for Georgia um, against Kentucky uh, last weekend while Burden was taking his official visit. Um, I would say this, Brandon, everybody's paying attention. Uh, Georgia kind of recovered very nicely from oh, yeah. Luther Burden's decision to let shooters shoot uh, a little bit uh, on the campus of Columbus, on the campus of Columbia, Missouri. I mean, that's a pretty good week when you can um, bring in a five star flip, and you can also bring in a five star recommitment uh, to the University of Georgia. And you know, but you know, but I think it kind of comes full circle with Bayer because I just had the feeling that some of this stuff with Alexander was a little bit ceremonial uh, and I always knew his heart was always going to be set on Georgia. I've said this on, I think your program before that when I sat in a room with him and he talked about how honored it would be to wear Jordan Davis number 99 that Jordan Davis had picked him to do so and uh, what it was like in that locker room and how he had that quote where uh, he said red and black was running through his veins and Recruiting is awfully fluid, Brandon. Everybody uses that word as as an excuse to get things wrong. Uh, But recruiting, sometimes when you have that type of connection that Alexander clearly had to the University of Georgia, sometimes recruiting comes full circle as well. And everybody's wondering, is this one going to stick? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think this one will definitely stick. I think this is a decision um, that can be be characterized as something more impactful than the 1,000% committed. Uh, I think this is where Big Bear Alexander wanted to be all along.
0: We talked about Trey Scott before you joined us. How big of a role do you think Scott played in the ultimate decision by Alexander, the re, the recommitment after initially being committed and close with Georgia throughout the entire proce- process? How big of a role do you think Trey Scott plays in all of this?
1: I think Trey Scott's great. I think he is a master at what he's doing right now. Uh, I really think that the Georgia people, and that goes to – You know, folks like uh, Angela Kirkpatrick, Katie Turner, Logan Reed in the recruiting office. It goes on down the line from the guys in the 2022 cycle, uh, the commitments in the class. Uh, Remember, like this summer, Bear was the one that was getting everybody on the Zoom calls and on the group chats to talk about recruiting. Uh, He was kind of moving as a de facto leader, and certainly Jalen Walker has taken over over the last few months for that. But uh, I'm going to tell you, and you, you might not read it everywhere, but you might read it everywhere. I think when, um, to me, and this is just my take here, I think when uh, Bear Alexander was back in Texas and his, his dad, everybody would classify him as his mentor or father figure or guardian. But really, uh, the, the gentleman, Tony Jones, has been Bear Alexander's dad for about four or five years now. Um, he took a job, uh, got a job as a, as a coach and a member of the faculty at Brewer High School, and Bear followed him. Um, okay. He wasn't declared eligible. He didn't get his eligibility by the Texas High School Association. And so then Bear Alexander had to make the decision, do I want a senior year? Do I want to play my senior year? And then he made the decision to move uh, from the state of Texas to uh, IMG Academy. That's who he's playing for tonight against the East St. Louis Flyers. I think when that happened, I really think uh, any chances of him going to go play for Texas A&M were over. I think that, I think that was a break uh, that made things a lot easier for him to follow his heart and go play for Georgia.
0: Um, very, very good stuff. Let me ask you this. Um, when you look at Barry Alexander, he was you know, listed by the recruiting service about 325 pounds. Of the current Georgia defensive lineman, is Jordan Davis the closest comparison to Bear Alexander that you would make there? I mean, who is the closest comp on the current Georgia roster when it comes to uh, when it comes to Big Bear?
1: Yeah, I, I, a lot of people are going to look at '99 and think, "Oh, this is just a plug and play." I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's the same player as Jordan Davis. I think folks are going to talk about Jordan Davis at Georgia the way they talked, probably potentially. Uh, about a guy like Champ Bailey at Georgia. I'll stop short of number 34, but a guy like Champ Bailey where there's just not going to be another one. What I think Jordan Davis is is he's more of a 3 technique rather than a zero nose that's going to occupy blockers and be, you know, two on me, somebody comes free, which is what Jordan Davis has made that little speech famous. I think it's more a he's more of a guy that's kind of a better Tyler Clark, a better I wouldn't say better DeVonte Wyatt cuz DeVonte Wyatt is a, incredible right now uh Devontae's faster than Bayer, but he's going to be a disruptor uh, very powerful guy uh, an all-american to say the least and you know everybody's wondering you know hey some people still have him as a five star some people still have him as a four star folks the reason why he's a four star is he had played i think last week was his first game of football because he had to. he was ineligible by the texas high school association for four or five weeks Then he made the move, and then he had to wait about two or three weeks at ING before he was acclimated and ready to go. Uh, This young man is far from uh, the nation's number 92 overall prospect, uh, far from a four-star defensive lineman. If you ask me, I'm just going to be frank, I think even though Mikel Williams is rated much higher, I think Barry Alexander, Big Barry Alexander on first reference, let's remember that, I think he's much more likely to play and make an impact quicker, quicker, Uh, maybe not so much deeper long term but I can see that being definitely quicker where he plays on George's front for Travis Scott a little bit quicker than Michael Williams will play for Dan Lanning
0: can I give you some slightly breaking news here Uh, this is just coming across my desk a moment ago and it's appropriate given the fact we're talking about Alexander right now would you like to hear something pretty cool
1: Jeff, Brandon, I got you. I heard, heard you breaking up. I heard you say slightly. Uh,
0: would you like to hear, Jeff? News. Would you like What's... to Would you like to hear something cool? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we've been pushing over the course of the last few weeks the idea that Jordan Davis ought to win the Heisman Trophy as a avatar, representation for the entire Georgia defense, the success it's enjoying this year. I am looking here on my phone at Heisman odds from BetUS. Jordan Davis. is now has posted odds to win the 2021 Heisman Trophy. He's 100-1, but Davis has now gotten listed on the odds to win the 2021 Heisman Trophy, according to BetUS. This is happening.
1: I, I like that, Brandon. And if I could see somebody lay a line on him to finish in the top three, I'd take that bet. I would take that bet on him to finish in the top three. Um. But to win it all, hundred to one, that's still a decent
0: bet. Just remember, we haven't had a defensive lineman finishing the top three what since nineteen eighty, since the year.
1: Odds makers and
0: I think what we may do sounds like Jeff's just got a bad signal. Let's let um uh I don't know if Jeff is with us here or not, but let me just finish the point here, and I'll see if we can get Jeff back. um uh, we haven't had a defensive lineman finished in the top three of the Heisman voting since the early 1980s, like 80, 81, 82, something like that. Early 1980s, you have to go back to find that. So the fact that a defensive lineman even has posted odds now, I think, speaks to uh, a really cool just level of momentum that Georgia fans themselves have kind of pushed for. Obviously, we've tried to amplify that here on our show. But as we've said, like, I'm not looking to get credit for this. I- I'm looking to make the hashtag JDNYC as big as I can because I want Davis himself get the credit that he deserves. And now at BetUS.com, Heisman Odds posted for Jordan Davis. This is as good a news as I can get there on a Friday. So um, that is just incredible to be able to see. We'll see if we can get a little bit more from Jeff before we're done. remind you, we're on the road, assisted by AAA. And obviously, we have a fun conversation talking to all of you about recruiting each week with Jeff on the road and whatever he's doing. But it's also important as well to have sometimes more serious conversations than that. And obviously that's where our friends at uh, AAA step in because they've got you covered. One of the most important things you can ever do, which is taking care of your family via life insurance, you know, for an audience like ours, when you think about, uh, you know, when you think about uh, uh the, just the, in the event that you were gone, the percentage of our audience, you know, half, maybe within six months, if you were to go, uh, you know, and pass away, there's a chance I could put a real financial strain on your family. That's why it's so important to, uh, Take advantage of life insurance. So important to, to do the things you need to do related to all of that. And that's what a AAA uh, can do for you. So reach out and talk to one of their financial services associates and see if we can find out more about that and how life insurance can really be the next step for you to really making sure you're doing everything you can to take good care of your family. So the number to dial here is 866-695-0222. That's 866 695 222. You can also find out more at a local AAA office and uh, get some good information there and talk face to face to one of those friendly folks who's great at helping me with all of that. Or you can go online, start your shopping experience and your education experience there. It's aaa.com slash life, aaa.com slash life, triple slash life, and do a lot more there. So I honestly don't know if Jeff's coming back on or not. Why don't for now, we just kind of roll on with the show and we'll see if we can come back. Maybe we'll get some more recruiting talk in a moment, or maybe we won't. Um, it's just that kind of day around here today, but there is important stuff to talk about related to the Georgia quarterback situation. So let's slide out of on the road with Jeff Centel, slide back into around the doghouse, which is delivered today by Marco's Pizza. And there was a pretty provocative story written at ESPN.com yesterday involving Uh, Georgia coach Kirby Smart and his thoughts on what's going to happen with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels the rest of the way. And a lot of you have seen the story. The the, the basic takeaway from this is is that both guys are going to play. Now, I want to read a few quotes on this. I'm going to show you a couple quotes there on the screen. And then I want to talk in, I think, pretty clear terms what I think all uh, of this means. So here's quote one from Kirby Smart. This is too long to put on the screen, so just listen to me as I read it. Smart tells Chris Lowe that JT Daniels practiced Wednesday and did about everything. Uh, I thought Wednesday was the first time since Vanderbilt that I could have said, man, he looks like he could play. Now he's rusty, and Thursday will probably be the telltale practice because it'll be the first time he's gone back-to-back throwing after he threw a lot on Wednesday. So that's pretty interesting from Smart saying that it's only up until now that he's seen him looking at practice like someone that he felt like could actually play in a game. More comments from Smart, who says, I'm not sure we know who the better one between Daniels and Bennett is right now, based on which game plan we have. There are teams we play that we have to be able to use the quarterback in the run game. Well, that's Stetson. There are teams we play that you have to be able to get the ball out quickly and really be accurate. That's JT. But the first thing with JT is that he's got to be healthy. And then the other thing that Smart brings up here, which to me is a pretty interesting level of candor. Sometimes Smart doesn't necessarily acknowledge the premise established by other questions or by other comments. But in this particular case, Smart seems to take on what is largely the elephant in the room, which is that Daniels had all the accolades. He's the former five-star. Bennett's the former kind of walk-on, scout team-type quarterback, who at one point in time seemed like he might even be being cast aside there at UGA. Can you really win a national championship with Bennett instead of JT Daniels? And what Smart says is, I think the feeling in the outside world is that you can't win it all without JT. Smart says, I don't know or or can't say that's accurate or not. I know there's nothing that he's shown that Stetson hasn't shown us that leads us to believe that's the case. He says it would be a burden if they were both completely healthy and you had a problem. Um, Usually when the quarterback problems comes when you're not being productive on offense, we haven't run into that. Now we haven't been blowing doors off our opponents, but we've scored and done a good job the defense has set up score. Special teams has set us uh, up score. So it hasn't shown itself as a problem. I think that would only happen if one of them were faltering. So uh, Kirby Smart giving you some pretty interesting, you know, comments related to uh, all, all of that. And then it leads to, I think, what's probably the most important takeaway of all here. And this is the part where I think you start to get a little bit clearer focus about what's going on with Daniels and Bennett in comparison to, you know, a lot of folks say, well, is he really about to like put both these quarterbacks in at the same time? Is he about to rotate these two quarterbacks? A lot of fans don't really like that. Now there are some fans who think you definitely need to go back to JT Daniels. And there are some fans right now who think you need to go and stay with Stetson Bennett. But the one thing that probably seems like the least popular option at all of all is the idea of rotating both these guys because of the old adage in football, that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't only have a quarterback. And I think there was a fairly concerned reaction by a lot of Georgia fans based on what smart said at ESPN.com yesterday but I think the actual truth of the situation is a lot clearer than maybe the initial obvious takeaway was to all of this and it's what smart says here at the end this is the part that I do want to put up on the screen there for a moment because smart brings it back to practice once again after saying that we feel like we could win a national championship with one of these guys We feel like we're capable of moving the ball of each one of these guys. And maybe who plays when is kind of game plan dependent about which skill set we need the most of. Ultimately, what Smart says here at the end, these words probably carry more weight for me than anything else. Here's the quote. He says about practice, we do so many competitive periods that I put a lot of pressure on those kids in practice to say, show me you're well, JT. Show me that you're healthy. And ultimately, that's what this comes down to. If you really listen to everything that Smart is saying there, this is an evaluation that Smart has had of JT Daniels where he's just not seeing him practice enough, it sounds like, to believe that he's healthy enough to be the best version of himself during games. And this notion that, you know, somehow Kirby Smart's just so in love with the Stetson Bennett story that he's now willing to disregard JT Daniels. I don't think anything that you read from that story leads you to believe that's true. In fact, I, I think there's been plenty of evidence to suggest that Smart has actually been in love with JT Daniels' story, that, that Smart has actually been a very big fan of, of JT Daniels. And when you hear the things that he's saying now, it's not reflective of the fact that, well, he's just not quite so sure how much he likes JT Daniels. No, if anything, Smart has given a validation to JT and a level of confidence in JT that's really unlike almost anything else he's ever given to any of his quarterbacks. Remember, in 2016, Smart was very slow to name a starting quarterback between Grayson Lambert and Jacob Eason. Didn't want to do that. 2017, once again, even though Eason had emerged as quarterback in 2016, battling against true freshman Jake Fromm in 2017, Smart didn't want to name one of those guys starting quarterback. Talked about the competition ongoing between the two. Now, eventually it settled itself because Eason got hurt and Fromm got inserted, but Smart didn't want to name a starting quarterback. Even after Fromm took the reins, was playing well. Eason came back. Once again, Smart didn't want to name a quarterback between the two and say, this is our guy, this is who we're going with. Famously in 2018, Smart wouldn't do that. Uh, From had proven a lot in 2017. Uh, Justin Fields was the elite five-star recruit as a true freshman. And Smart was was acting like the competition was ongoing and, and didn't want to tip his hand very much about what was going to happen with those quarterbacks. Same thing in 2020. But going into last season, Smart... Back last spring, I am I should say going into this season in 2021, Smart last spring, going into the 2021 season, gave a stamp of approval to JT Daniels, naming him as starting quarterback before spring practice began in a way that he almost never had done in his previous years there at Georgia. Let's go back and hear an interview on the Atlanta radio station 680 The Fan where Smart, I think, shows a level of confidence in Daniels that's unlike what he'd done for almost any of his quarterbacks there in the past, This is important context for what's going on right now. Let's hear it. Is there a true competition for the quarterback position going in to both spring and into the season, or is this JT's job?
2: Well, it's J.T.'s job. He's played the position. He's really on top of it. He's doing a good job in our offense. But it's not to say that we're not giving the other guys a look. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a, is a good football player, and we think he's very athletic. He creates a different dynamic. Carson Beck is a guy we've always thought a lot of. He's is a really good passer, and you know, he, he didn't get the benefit of a spring practice. He didn't get the benefit of doing anything in college football, That now he's getting a ton of reps, and I think that's big. And then Brock is here with us, and he's very athletic, and he's done some good thing so every guy is going to have an opportunity to play across our roster but uh jt is a guy that's proven himself and we hope he continues to do so and he it brings about the the kind of best assets we have in our offense which are some of the wideouts some of the skill position guys we've got to be able to use his strengths to get them the ball
0: so i think this is really important when you listen to smart they are saying jt's our guy we believe in all of our quarterbacks but jt's our guy We've seen enough from him to know that he's the most capable of distributing the football to, to our past catching weapons. That's not something that Smart has typically said about quarterbacks in the past. And for those who want to say, oh, well, Smart's just playing Stetson Bennett now or Smart's just wanting to play Stetson Bennett in the games in the future because he's just so in love with Stetson Bennett's story, that this is so much fun to him to have an unheralded quarterback succeeding and he can't resist the temptation to try to make this Bennett narrative even bigger. Well, Smart told you last week that he thought Bennett was good a year ago, that he thought Bennett was actually successful a year ago, even though Georgia lost the Florida and Alabama Games, he didn't blame Bennett for that. He actually thought that Bennett was getting the job done a year ago. So if it's a good story now, in Smart's eyes, it was also a good story in 2020 there as well. But good story or not, Daniels still got the nod to be starting quarterback at the time. So, you know, this notion that Smart's too in love with the Bennett narrative, he was also in love with the Bennett narrative a year ago but that didn't stop him from naming JT Daniels starting quarterback. So that begs an obvious question. Well, then what has changed? The thing that has changed is JT Daniels hasn't been healthy enough to practice. And so when you talk about splitting reps, I think in Smart's mind, it may not be so much these guys are going to split reps during the game as they're going to split reps during practice. And we may get a chance to, we won't see it because we won't be at practice. These Georgia coaches who are orchestrating all of this, they may get a chance to see which of these two guys now takes the reins with this team. Is the one who's been playing and been playing well? Or is the one that was initially pegged as the starting quarterback? But don't lose sight of what was written in the ESPN story. Folks fixate on the idea that both quarterbacks are going to play. But what matters most is is that both quarterbacks are now going to practice. And Daniels is now healthy enough to practice something apparently he has not been over the course of the uh, last few weeks. And I don't think that you can emphasize strongly enough just how important that ability to practice for Daniels is is as a way of possibly regaining his status as the Georgia starting quarterback. Now, let me kind of, not to put too fine a point on this, but let me see if I can drill down on this a little bit more. Smart did a press conference on Tuesday, and Smart was asked what I thought was a pretty good question. We've talked about this a lot on this show, too. We talked about this with Terrence Edwards a little bit this week, that You've had so many wide receiver injuries, but the guys that you have played have played pretty well. Think about A.D. Mitchell, Ladd McConkey, guys like that, that at a certain point that for the guys who've been injured, is it almost impossible for them to get, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's the general gist of it, is it almost impossible for those guys to get their job back because they've been off the field, the guys who have been playing and been playing well. We've been talking about this now for weeks, that the depth chart is probably changing at wide receiver because the guys who've been on the field have been succeeding while doing so. And Smart said something to that question, the idea of how the wide receiver pecking order might change because of injury, that I think is also relevant for JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. The reason why we know it's relevant is because Smart told us on Saturday that the quarterback position would be evaluated the same way every other position is. So if that is true, if we take Smart at his word on that, then what Smart says about what he sees in his wide receivers also applies to what he sees with his quarterbacks. So let me set this up real quick, and then I want you to hear Kirby Smart one more time. It is my theory here that the issue for Daniels has been the fact that he just hasn't been healthy enough to be himself at practice, which prevents him from being himself during games. That's why we've seen Stetson Bennett, and that's why we may continue to see more of Bennett because Daniels hasn't yet had a chance to prove himself during practice. But according to Smart in that same ESPN story, as recently as Wednesday, Daniels was starting to show some of that that he did have that full participant return to practice and the hope was he was going to be able to do that for a second consecutive day there on thursday so if you want to solve the quarterback conundrum facing georgia to the extent that there is one practice is the key to all of that in fact here is smart talking wide receivers but the words relevant for quarterbacks too this is from tuesday
2: it really it pulls on to practice right like the guys that go out and practice and take the reps and perform on the practice field are the guys that go out in the game. So, yeah, you, you don't ever just plug a guy in. You plug a guy in during the week, and you give him reps. And uh, whoever gives us the best opportunity to win is who's out on the field, and that comes from practice. And if you can't practice, well, obviously that's, that's hard to do, right? So uh, if you can practice and you're not 100% and you're working your way back, then we're going to play whoever gives us the best opportunity to win. So those guys that are injured are trying their best. They're at rehab each day. They're, they're working to get back, and um, we're focused on getting the guys we
0: have healthy better. So listen, I don't think Georgia has a quarterback controversy. JT Daniels is named the clear starter going back to the spring. Nor do I think that Georgia has a quarterback problem. Daniels got hurt. The guy they put in place of him has played really well. That's a good thing. Just say that at face value. Um, I think what Georgia has is a quarterback situation. The guy that was the starter is now getting ready to come back. The guy who has been the backup has been playing pretty well. So how do you determine who to play going forward? Smart, even though the quote you just heard was from uh, a comment about wide receivers, what he says there is the relevant answer to all of this. Practice is going to be the determination. Is JT Daniels now healthy enough? Take first string, first team reps to go, as Smart said Wednesday during the SEC Coach of Telecom, to go good on good, to get back and shake off the rust with his offense, battling against the nation's best defense during practice every day. Can he show what once made him a starting quarterback? Is he now healthy enough to do that? If he is, and if he is able to do that, then my guess is, is that you won't have to worry too much about splitting reps or two quarterbacks and not really having one or, or you know, issue that could potentially divide the team my guess is you won't have to worry about that Daniels will demonstrate himself and reassert himself as the clear starter for this team but to the extent that you see Bennett continuing to play even if he continues to play well when he does play to the extent that you see Bennett continuing to play I think you must point back to practices the reason why that must be that somehow some way over the course of consecutive days over the course of a full week when it matters early in the week battling against of the Georgia defense, maybe JT right now is just not healthy enough to do that. But to me, practice is the key to all of that. So it was a big story. ESPN.com got a lot of attention, but ultimately, I think the actual situation for Georgia at quarterback right now is actually pretty clear. Practice is the key to all of that. That's around the doghouse. It's uh, presented today by our friends at uh, Marco's Pizza and delivered by Marco's Pizza. I'll also briefly say this: uh that first of all. uh Prayers for Kendall Milton. I know the other big story around Georgia yesterday was that Milton's continuing to kind of battle an injury here a little bit. sounds like he could be on the shelf here for a couple of weeks. So hope to hear some good news on Kendall soon. I know he felt like, uh, he had a nice run on Saturday. I'm sure he was looking to uh, this past Saturday against Kentucky. I'm sure he was looking to build on that even more. So disappointing news for him there on that. And hopefully we get good news there on that front very, very, uh, soon. So, uh, Prayers continue for Kendall Milton here as he battles injury a little bit, what sounds like might linger for a couple of weeks. As I said before, it's around the doghouse. It's delivered by uh, Marco's Pizza. And listen, we love Marco's Pizza because it tastes good, right? You got the three cheeses blended melted together on top of that golden brown crust, baked perfectly every time. Those authentic old world toppings like the sausage, the pepperoni, all those things make a pizza taste so good. We also love it because of great savings there as well. You get that with Marco's Pizza, including a bundle right now for just $21.99. Uh, it includes a large one-topping pizza, the pizza bowl, which is like the uh, the pizza flavor without the crust. You can get the, the the cheesy bread there as well. It's just $21.99. You can also, if you want another deal, how about just a large one-topping pizza for just $9.99? That's great savings there too. Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers, get it. You can get it yourself. You can use the Marco's app or marcos.com. Check it out today and enjoy yourself some great pizza as we head towards the weekend. All right, so let's do this. Uh, we're going to make our picks for the week here coming up in a moment with our Bet US Best Bets. There's also some SEC through-type stories to uh, get through a little bit here there too. So why don't we roll into that right now. Uh, it's our SEC through. We'll be cruising on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean today. And this is a great time to start thinking about a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. They're back on the seas. Those ships, so much fun to be a part of. And if you haven't visited Perfect Day, Coco Cay, boy, let me tell you this. This is something you're going to definitely want to do. It's exclusive those on Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. It's only for those there. And so many of the the, the, the Royal Caribbean ships are sailing there. It's, it's become such a popular destination that it seems like as many Royal Caribbean ships as possible going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. something they're trying to do because they know the demand for it's so high, whether it be on the thrill side of the island tallest water slide in North America, 450 foot helium balloon takes you straight up in the air or the chill side. that has got those private floating cabanas and so many places to relax and kick back and relax. Largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas, for instance. Whether you like the thrill side, the chill side, perfect day, Coco K is for you. So reach out to my friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They can walk you through all the things you need to do for that perfect Royal Caribbean vacation. There are, of course, dog alumni there that run it, which makes them fun to do business with. But also, the important thing is that they got the expertise that you need for the vacation that you really want. And this is your time to do that with Royal Caribbean. Uh, check out the website, tcava.com. That's tcava.com or give them a call, 770 952 8300. That's 770 952 8300. You can speak with a friendly voice today that's going to help you book that Royal Caribbean vacation, the likes that you know you deserve. This would have been a great weekend to take one, obviously, with no Georgia football, but. Uh, we'll be on the sea, on the seas here, I know, a lot in the wintertime and folks heading towards the rest of the fall. This is a great time to be out there on a, one of those Royal Caribbean ships, and it's great to have them back on the water again there, too. So Cruise and Vacation Authority for more details on all of that. Uh, what's been interesting to watch over the last couple of days, some of the big names around football, having to express interest in the LSU coaching opening. I saw where Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady was asked about this, and Brady kind of sidestepped the question all the way around, even saying that he hasn't even spoken to Ed Orgeron since Orgeron was let go as LSU coach of course Orgeron's still coaching for right now but it was interesting to hear Brady say that he hasn't even been in contact with Ed Orgeron since then now he's also I think trying to paint the picture of right now the Panthers are struggling offensively a bit and so I think he's trying to let the folks know that he's fully focused on what he's trying to do there in Carolina in Charlotte with 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 the Panthers but he also didn't quite outright refute any potential interest in the LSU job either. So that's an interesting name to consider. Gus Malzahn went a lot further in saying that he liked the job that he currently has at UCF. He has no interest in the LSU job. And I absolutely believe this. I just think Malzahn's probably the stage in his career where, and you see him from time to time, you know, he'll come to press conferences and he's wearing the, the, you know, the Tommy Bahama style UCF shirt and he's pretty relaxed. He's clearly having himself a very good time and a, different kind of atmosphere than the pressure cooker he once found himself in Auburn. And I'm guessing that, like a lot of coaches at this stage of their life, that that Malzahn's kind of living his best life here at the moment and getting back involved in a high-pressure situation like LSU. I and mean, he's young enough, he could do it if he wants to. But at a certain point, you kind of wonder if you really do want to on all of that. By the way, speaking of uh, Ed Orgeron, it's been interesting to hear the refutations coming out from LSU players related to some of the more salacious accusations against Orgeron. One of the things I get really frustrated about is that when a guy gets fired, when a guy leaves town in sports, all of a sudden there's all these now-it-can-be-told stories of, oh, here's the the behind-the-scenes scoop about what was going on with so-and-so. But if you know this one day after he got fired, as a reporter, it leads me to believe you may have known this nine days ago there as well. But if you didn't report it, you know – prior to the guy getting fired when it would have been useful information to a lot of people and sometimes I start to wonder what the value is in reporting this one day late makes it seem like you got the inside scoop but ultimately it's not really benefiting your readers very much because this is information they could have used and this happens not just with Orchard, but a lot of things in sports where the now it can be told story gets written where all of a sudden there's a I guess a willingness of sources to to trash the guy on the way out the door and you know plenty of reporters are willing to step up to the plate and, and and take down that dictation But it's it's just such a strange phenomenon in sports that we seem to get some of this kind of stuff. And in the case of Ed Orgeron here, some of what has been accused that he's been accused of has actually been refuted by LSU players. For instance, a salacious detail was that Orgeron's now divorced, and some of the maybe some of the ladies that he was dating or whatever, or maybe a lady that he was dating, brought her children to practice, and Orgeron let those kids run drills during practice, which is kind of an odd story in and of itself. But Miles Brennan, the LSU quarterback, says that did not happen. And listen, you know why these kind of narratives form, because obviously, you know, there's a desire for some around the LSU program to make it seem like Orgeron had to be fired and that whatever you had to do, you had to move on from Orgeron, obviously laying the groundwork for the next coach to have an easy on-ramp and not draw so many comparisons to a program that just won a national championship less than two years ago. But I'll say the same thing about worse Ron than I've said about other coaches in the past. I don't care how, you know, silly things got around edit from time to time. And my biggest issue with him has been the fact that he just had a hard time keeping players in the program. Lots of ops out, lots, a lot, lot of op outs, a lot of, a lot of transfers, a lot of air quotes, injuries, just a lot of things like that, where it seems like just keeping guys on the roster has always been a challenge for him. And, Ultimately, you can't have that much turmoil in a program. That's my biggest issue with Orgeron. But when it comes to like almost any way you want to slice up his performance, only beat Alabama just the one time, that's certainly fair to say. But when it comes to uh, when it comes to wins against ranked opponents, wins on the road, wins in SEC play, wins against the spread, almost any other way you want to kind of thin slice the schedule, the Orgeron record actually shapes up pretty good. And that's the thing that gets lost here, including being Florida last week is that while there weren't as many Alabama wins as LSU fans would have liked, man, there were a lot of wins against everybody else, including a couple of high-profile instances against Georgia. So for that next coach, whoever it is living up to the standard that Orgeron sets, actually not that easy to do. And that's one of the reasons why you hear so many of these soap opera sideshow salacious details is because I think they're trying to bury Orgeron in the eyes of LSU fans who feel like it was a given that Orgeron had to be fired. And that way, if the next coach doesn't quite Live into that role quite as quickly as some fans want him to. It maybe softens the blow for all that uh just a bit. When you think about college football this weekend without George on the docket, there are some interesting games worth paying attention to. By the way, last night, kind of an example of that. We've seen some fairly newsworthy midweek games. Uh Appalachian State beat Coastal Carolina on Wednesday. Last night, SMU coasted against Tulane. All of a sudden, SMU sets up as a ranked opponent potentially on Cincinnati schedule upcoming. And uh, the Mustangs are pretty good last night. So if you're looking for another high profile game for Cincinnati SMU right now starts to feel that way. As far as the rest of college football here this weekend, it's kind of the calm before the storm a little bit in the big 10 with in, in the next few weeks, you're going to have Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state, Ohio state, all playing each other, a nice little round Robin with those four right now, at least by virtue of record, very good, big, big 10 East teams, but they're not really in those kinds of games this weekend. Michigan's got Northwestern. Penn State's got Illinois. Um, Ohio State's, you know, expected to win easily there as well. But there are a lot of big games coming in the Big Ten East here over the course of the, uh, of the next few weeks. So that ought to be pretty fun to think about. Uh, something else kind of fun to uh, think about here for a little bit, quarterback situations in the SEC. Keep your eye on the injury situation there with Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. That obviously has a big impact what's going to happen for Alabama-Tennessee. Obviously, Matt Corral's status for Ole Miss has been kind of up in the air this week. That's going to have a big impact on LSU and Ole Miss there, too. So kind of a fun weekend of games outside the SEC, kind of a light slate for the league. No Georgia, but still some games worth following nonetheless would make that your SEC through. And, of course, one of the things that makes enjoying games this weekend so much fun or our friends at a Classic City Lager. You know, it's a taste of Athens from Creature Comfort's Brewing Company, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. You can pick it up wherever you do your shopping. Six and 12-pack cans. It's available all year long. It's just good cold beer. A lager-style beer, lighter in color, but no sacrifice in flavor. Bold, crisp flavor notes. The kind of thing that you would expect from a well-known, renowned craft brewery like Creature Comfort's Brewing Company. So check out some Classic City Lager today. It's just good cold beer. And it goes great with whatever you're doing here this weekend. I know you enjoy yourself some classic city lager. Let's go on here a little bit more with some of the other big games of the weekend. Let's dive a little deeper in those when it comes to our BetUS best bets on the week. And we'll focus in on the SEC games here for a moment and the other top national games there as well. So here are the games that we're paying attention to. Some quick thoughts on those. As said before, quarterback injuries. Are pretty key in all of this and to be honest with you i haven't done a lot of studying lately on these uh quarterback situations but keep your eye on that in a big way magnolia bowl with lsu going to old miss this game changes dramatically depending on how healthy corral is uh as of earlier this week corral's health was in doubt on that so pay attention to that going into saturday mississippi state goes to vanderbilt i tried to tell our dog nation folks last week that way too many people. We're acting like it was going to be an easy one for South Carolina as a three-touchdown favorite at home against Vanderbilt. However, I do like the other side in this one, Mississippi State. For whatever reason, Vanderbilt just does not defend its home turf at all because they have no fans, I guess. But we've seen Vanderbilt occasionally cover a spread or two on the road. They almost never cover a big number at home. When you expect them to lay down and die, they're in Nashville for the most part. That's exactly what they do. Even against a mediocre Mississippi State team, that's kind of what I expect to see happen. I feel the same way about Tennessee and Alabama that I do LSU and Ole Miss. If Hendon Hooker is healthy and playing for uh, Tennessee, they have a chance to cover that 25-and-a-half-point number. They score enough points with Hooker at the helm to be able to do so. If it's Joe Milton, though, instead of Hooker, Alabama can win the game as badly as they want to, so pay very close attention to that quarterback injury situation there. I'm going to probably take a flyer on South Carolina this week against Texas A&M simply because – there's a lot of SEC teams uh, giving points on Saturday in that kind of 20 plus point range. And if you think Alabama covers against Tennessee, and you think Mississippi state covers against Vanderbilt, the odds of three 20 plus point teams covering an SEC play, probably not great. So you got to find the one team that doesn't for me, A&M can still get an easy win against South Carolina without, without posting that minus 21 spread. I think A&M starting to figure some stuff out here, but uh, this is an offense. It's also not the most explosive in the country. So, Maybe worth taking a flyer on a pretty big number. gamecocks plus the points there. Outside the SEC, weird to think that Clemson's a underdog at Pitt on Saturday, but with good reason. Pitt's been the better team all season long. Don't no tell them what this point spread would have been back in the summer when the first look ahead lines were announced. But but as of now, this is the uh this is the justifiable spread. Pitt is minus three. I also like the Panthers in this spot. Pitt's better offensively than you think. Uh Even against a good Clemson defense, I just think they're capable of scoring more than Clemson's capable of matching. I do like Pitt there in that spot. Oregon at UCLA. One of the things I'm a huge believer in, and the numbers back this up, that when you see unranked team against ranked foe and the unranked team is favored, that's usually all you need to know, especially in the case of a team like Oregon that's very much a public team, the most public team in the the, the Pac-12. A lot of folks have seen them on television for a number of years, including this year. In the win against Ohio State, the knowledge of Oregon is baked into the cake here. But still, UCLA's favorite at home, Dorian Thompson Roberts and the Bruins quarterback is actually kind of settling in and having a very nice season. It was not a fluke, in other words, when he played well against LSU to begin the year. Getting UCLA at home as a favorite against a top ten ranked foe clearly bet us here knows something that the rest of the world may think it doesn't know. So when I see unranked versus ranked and the unranked is favored. That's usually all I need to know to take that team blindly. There are also two other games here this weekend, where the same situation is true. Wisconsin's on the road at a now-ranked Purdue, and Wisconsin's a three-point favorite. Purdue's relatively newly minted as a top 25 team, so that may scare you off that spot there a little bit. But still, three's a pretty significant belief in Wisconsin on the road when the Badgers haven't done much this year. That's a point spread worth paying attention to. And Oklahoma State, still undefeated, fresh off a high-profile win against Texas a week ago, now on the road at Iowa State, Iowa State's a seven-point favorite there. Once again, the unranked versus ranked matchup. When the unranked team is favored, that's definitely worth your attention at BetUS.com. Finally, it's USC at Notre Dame. I like USC in the spot simply because Notre Dame's just not defending its home turf farewell right now. The line on that is seven. Those are your BetUS best bets. My thoughts on the games of the weekend. We'll have more on that coming up later today on the Dog Nation So you put $100 in, uh, they're going to give you 125% bonus on top of all of that. That's all coming from BetUS right now. DN125 is the promo code to use. Uh, BetUS.com is the website to use. Make sure you take advantage of that today. Yes. Okay, sounds good. So it sounds like I uh, kind of froze up a minute there. So let me give folks one more chance on this. BetUS.com is the website to go to. DN125 is the promo code. DN125, when you use that promo code, you get 125% off your initial deposit bonus. So make sure you take advantage of that at BetUS.com today. And by the way, uh, check out BetUS.com there as well. As I told Jeff Centel in our very brief conversation a moment ago, uh, BetUS now has posted odds on Jordan Davis, Win the 2021 Heisman Trophy. It's been so much fun to watch that story take off. Hashtag JD. All right, so that is that. One of the things we've been doing on Fridays a lot here is the Friday shoes dump with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of golden shoe type stuff. Today, we don't have time to do that. It's just kind of a mess here. Uh, let's do our last show from our home before going back to the studio on Monday. So let me just give a shout out to one golden shoe winner today. Speaking of the fun that folks have been having when it comes to the Jordan Davis stuff, uh, somebody showed me that, you know, Feinbaum runs those tweets on the bottom of the screen on the SEC network during the show. And the hashtag JDNYC has also made its way there, which I'm really happy to be able to see. Uh, That's that's a a really cool thing all the way around. So I really appreciate uh, Ray Rogers for sharing this with me. Uh, The hashtag JDNYC there at the bottom of the screen there. Once again on the SEC network, it's been really fun to see the way in which the Davis Heisman campaign's gotten so much love on ESPN, the SEC network and all of that just been really, really incredible. So big thanks there when it comes to that. Also, thanks to all of you for tolerating, which is obviously a very different kind of show when I have to be here at my home, not my favorite thing in the world to do, but uh, nonetheless, we, uh, we roll through it. We get it done there as well. So we appreciate all that. And we'll remind you that when we roll back in here mm-hmm. next week, we are on our way to Georgia and Florida and the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And all the reasons why we love being a Gator hater, we'll focus in on all of that Monday and throughout the entirety of the week. And we'll let you know right now, eight days from now, Georgia goes back to Florida, gets one of those lousy, stinking Gators. So uh, we can't wait to talk to you about that all next week. We'll see you then. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Have a great day, everybody.